from newstalkzb.co.nz. It's the Mike Hosking Breakfast with BNZ. G'day there and welcome to the rewrap for Wednesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on Newstalk ZB. I am Glenn ZB and this morning, uh, let's not muck around with Kiwi Saver please. It seems to be going reasonably well. How was that Kendrick Lamar concert? What is smoking? And a little bit of update on AI and flying cars and the robot apocalypse generally. But before any of that, uh, should everybody get to know what you earn, wherever you earn it, whoever you work for? We're all open and equal and supportive of each other's ambitions. We all bond as a team, support and admire talent, promote dedication and good ideas. In reality, the bloke next to you is a bastard and he gets paid too much. The BBC have learned this the hard way. They were instructed last year by the government to publish all salaries in $10,000 bands on everyone above £150,000 a year. And when they did that, the most explosive gender pay gap spat broke out. The blokes, it turned out, seemed to earn more than the ladies, and that could not do. And that's before you got to the facile argument over who earned what anyway and whether they were worth it. The second year's results have been published this last week, and lo and behold, the gap hasn't really closed at all. But the salaries have gone down. Massive Wage bill saving for the BBC, you wonder? No. They've simply gone and hidden the salaries in separate companies so they don't get reported. And that is what happens when you introduce that level of artificiality to things like pay. As regards us all knowing what each other earn, here's the unwritten, not often spoken truth. Most of us think we are better than the person next to us. Most would resent knowing anyone even remotely close to them in terms of experience or responsibility got paid more. Or even if you got paid more, but it wasn't enough more. There would be people, and we all know them, who can't actually believe they've got a job far less the money. It would end in acrimony, aggro, and most likely all-out war. There would be seething resentment, fury, and plotting. In this age, where seemingly any mad idea is to be embraced and listened to, perhaps it pays us to just take a minute and remember there are generally good reasons for doing things the way we already do. And, and you know, like, obviously... Mike would be embarrassed if people found out how much he earns. I'd be embarrassed if people found out how little I earn. You see, it works both, cuts both ways. We don't need to know, don't need to worry about that. Uh, Now, when you do earn some money, can we be trusted to put it away for our retirement? No, that's why we've got KiwiSaver. Now, missing, and this implied criticism of the banks, is the very simple question, why is a person in a default fund in the first place? And if they are, how much of that circumstance and return or lack of return can be laid directly at their doorstep instead of trying to blame a third party like the banks? You are in a default fund because in simple terms, you couldn't be bothered doing anything about your savings. You decided to join KiwiSaver, but then you didn't do anything more like ask, where should I put my money? Who can advise me of this? What are the risks I'm taking? What sort of return should I reasonably be looking for? Who can provide that sort of return? And if you couldn't be bothered asking any of that, can we not conclude that one, it's your fault, or two, you might be perfectly happy having someone else do all the work for you and whatever your default comes up with is fine with you. Do remember, a default fund is not a rip-off or a scandal. It's just a nominated safe place the money goes to so that it's not lost in an emerging market or a Bitcoin scandal. Can we really blame the KiwiSaver provider, whether it's a bank or not, if the person who owns the money can't be bothered asking a few questions or making a few decisions? The ultimate irony, of course, being if the providers had stuck the money in a, you know, high risk and it had all vanished, who would be getting the blame? Exactly. The idea is from the uh, the numbers people. 
Although laudable, falls into the classic modern age thought process. Blame anyone but the person who should be carrying the blame. If default funds are no good, let the money's owner do the spade work and fix it. You see, I, this is all far too complicated for me, all this stuff, which is what, it's basically the, the main reason I got married, so somebody else could manage this stuff for me. And then she gives my money to somebody else to manage it for me. Uh, I, I just want to get as far away from it as I possibly can. I was quite a long way from the Kendrick Lamar concert in Dunedin last night, but Michael Dine wasn't. He was there. What sort of audience are you dealing with? A real young one. As young like, as you? Um, no, I'd say younger than me. I reckon there were some <laughs> high schoolers in there. and High schoolers, really? Yeah. Did they yeah, come definitely. from far and wide? I mean, you came from Christchurch. Was your sense of it a lot of people had travelled to see this around the South Island? Yeah, I, um, I heard a few people say they are from like Timaru and Nelson and things like that, and I even heard a couple of people come down from Rotorua. So. Fantastic. High-tech yep. show or not? Uh, yep, there was fireworks and fire and lights and, you know, the whole, the whole was and bang. Fantastic. Of all the shows you've seen, would this be right up there in terms of, you know, professionalism, production, all of that? Definitely. I've seen, I've seen the Foo Fighters twice and I'd put them above them. Wow, can't argue with that. Yep. If he came can't again, argue. would you see him again? Definitely, without a doubt. What sort of version of Humble did he do? Because that's my favourite song. Um, Was it the standard version you hear on the record or the radio? Look, I don't want to spoil anything. Are you going to the show, Mike? No, I'm not. So spoil it. So spoil it. All right, sorry, fans. But um, he he did it twice. He did it once with the audience doing it. Love it. Just the audience. No no sound or anything. It was great. Sit down. Be humble. Yeah, I you know, two Mike. versions. I love it. I've yep. often thought you very rarely see that. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen it at a concert. I, you always go along for a favourite song, and you yep. hear the favourite song, and you think, I wonder why they don't sing it twice. If I had a hit, I'd open the show every night with it, and I'd end the yep. show every night with it. And if it was a huge hit, I'd do one in the middle as well. Because people want to hear the hits, don't they? Yep, yep. Good on you, Michael. Well, I'm glad you had a good time, and I appreciate your time on this uh, program this morning. When are you heading back to Christchurch? Um, as soon as possible, really. Oh, yeah. Well, is that because you feel that way about Dunedin or you've just got things to get back to? <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful city. Just it is. The glass everywhere does it for me, you know? Perfect. Good on you, mate. Nice to talk. Uh, Michael Dine. Should we employ him and just run him around the country on a permanent basis and go to all the um, all the concerts? Well, not just concerts. You know, speeches. Bar openings. Yeah. Um, statue unveilings. Telling it like it is. That, that's what we like. Giving us the real deal. Not using flash words like skulking. This is what I mean. Australian Prime Minister yesterday indicating that perhaps the the smoker break in Australia at least is coming to an end. Uh, They've come up with some numbers. Monash University smoking reduces GDP by $388 billion a year. Smokers take more breaks. They're absent more. They die earlier. And the Prime Minister went on radio yesterday and he called them smulking breaks, a mixture of smoking and skulking. Uh, And he backs the broad idea that um, the employer thinks that they're really not there to pay you to smoke, not work. And so the indication is that maybe Malcolm's gearing up to uh, end the old smoker break. This is is where Turnbull gets himself into trouble. Yeah. uh, When he uses words like skulking. uh, I I think a lot of Australian voters don't know what that means. Don't know what smoking or skulking is. You see, you run the risk uh, with an, an expansive vocabulary and the Australian electorate of looking a bit like Kevin Rudd, who I think by the end of his tenure, everybody had pretty much decided was a complete nerd. Um, And they couldn't relate to him. Showing off about speaking all those different languages and stuff.
So, yeah, I mean, there's enough words out there and, uh, without having to invent new ones. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, uh, have the robots taken over yet? What are we worried about? What else are we worried about apart from Prime? Artificial intelligence, AI. And what's artificial intelligence going to do? Artificial intelligence is going to mean the rise of the robots and none of us have got jobs anymore. That's before the robots get out of control and kill us. That's what's going to happen with AI, isn't it? That's what we're all freaking out about. New report this morning. AI will create as many jobs in the UK as it will displace. Bosco's Fuddy Duddy Study Buddies. So if you're spending some time worrying about AI, forget it. Uh, Rolls-Royce, let me give you another one this morning. I'm on a roll. Rolls-Royce. They've come up with a propulsion system for a flying taxi. That's the other thing that's coming, isn't it? Remember Domino's last September going to start delivering pizzas via, via drone? More crap. Never happened. Isn't going to. We're not hopping in a flying taxi in the next two years. You know it. Elon's not sending us to London in 15 minutes in his rocket. Anyway, Rolls-Royce have come up with a propulsion system for a flying taxi. And it will be able to carry four to five people at speeds of up to 400 kilometres an hour. Hey, how exciting does that sound? And it will be able to do that for 800 metres. So it's like... Which is, you know, <laughs> you, you scoff... But sometimes, sometimes it is a bit difficult to persuade the taxi or the Uber to come if it's only a short trip. Just down the road? Yeah. So so the Uber, you go, can I get an Uber around the corner to the dairy? They go, no, it's not worth my while. But Rolls-Royce, if they got the answer I mean, for you. That, I mean, and that is you know, definitely a player move, isn't it? Rolls-Royce to- can take you to the dairy at 400 k's an hour. In the air. Yeah, I mean, even if you took a taxi to 800 metres away from where you wanted to be and then called a flying taxi and there be worth it for an entrance I'm going to function tonight wonder if I can get one yes, probably not I'm Glenn ZB uh, don't worry keeping it real keeping it humble I'll never appear anywhere in a flying taxi I don't think uh, <laughs> unless somebody else pays for it uh, that was the rewrap for Wednesday we'll see you back here again with another humble one tomorrow